Welcome to the ENA Podcast. Welcome to the final ENA Podcast for 2019, our first full year of podcasts uh, coming from ENA headquarters. So uh, I want to thank everybody who has listened in uh, throughout the year to um, this is our 20th episode, if I might, my math is correct. So we've certainly covered a lot of ground this year and um, the number of downloads and, and subscribers uh, to the platform and who have listened in uh, certainly tells us that uh, we're, we're heading in the right direction. So we appreciate that here from ENA. And I want to welcome in uh, Justin Malici uh, as our guest today. We're going to talk a little bit about something very topical right now, which is flu season. So as much as it's the holiday season, it's also flu season. And really kind of touch on some of the things that, um, you know, are really key when it comes to the emergency department. So, Justin, welcome to the ENA podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So, Justin, uh, why don't we start off just a little bit of your background, uh, talk about your uh, your time in emergency nursing and uh, a little bit about uh, how the flu is something that, uh, you know, you, you've come to focus on a little bit as part of your overall practice and, and you know, the world that you're working in these days. Okay. Well, um, I've been a nurse for almost 33 years. My background is in emergency trauma and pediatrics. <clears throat> I have worked in both pediatric hospitals and both adult um, and combined um, pediatric emergency departments. Um, currently, I work as a clinical editor uh, for Elsevier um, in is one of their senior editors for the um, nursing skills collections. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the flu. Uh, the flu every year uh, just kind of rears its ugly head. They typically, you know, the season typically starts in October, um, according to the, to the CDC, usually peaks um, from December through February, and it can actually keep going on into May uh, if it is severe enough. Uh, this season, however, is uh, the flu apparently is actually predicted to peak a little earlier than it typically does. It's supposed to actually peak uh, by the middle of December and not necessarily um, into after the new year, as I've mentioned, from, um, uh, from December through February. So that's what we're looking at them right now. Uh, the flu um, certainly hits uh, people of all ages. Some are going to be at more risk than others. Uh, I'm, I'm going to focus more on the pediatric population, um, first of all, because they are at higher risk. The immune systems are not as strong. They're not as developed. And um, certain strains of the flu are just very, very aggressive, they are finding, and um, are making these, these kids just very, very sick, requiring hospitalization. Um, and uh, there have, um, and in some cases, uh, the flu can be fatal. What is the number one um, way that the flu can be prevented? It is by getting the vaccine every year. In children um, six months and older, it is recommended um, to get the vaccine. Now, if the child or the infant, if it is the first time the child or infant is going to have had the vaccine, uh, they generally would get, um, they would get two injections. They would get one, and then a month later, they would get an additional flu shot just to kind of build up the immune system. If they had a flu shot in the past, they would only need to get one. Uh, but six months and older is highly recommended 
uh, for getting the flu vaccine, especially in those uh, children who are high risk, the ones who have chronic medical issues, such as asthma, such as heart disease, um, because the flu in combination with that can just cause very severe complications. It can raise the morbidity, raise the mortality. Uh, so it is very, very important for those children who are high risk uh, to be able uh, to get that vaccine. So, so what are some of the good questions if uh, a child comes in symptomatic of the flu into the ED to sort of identify these other maybe uh, circumstances that might make them more at risk for those really severe issues that you're, you're describing there? What are some good questions that an ED nurse can ask to kind of get, make sure you're getting that full picture and it's not just being looked at as a, a pediatric patient with the flu? What, what can they ask to really dig deep to find out really how vulnerable they might be to uh, you know, to the worst case scenarios of the flu? Um, the first thing that I would ask is, is the child or the adult otherwise healthy? Are there any, um, are there risk factors? Uh, does this child or does this patient um, have any conditions that are going to place um, him or her at high risk? Um, if the flu gets on board, that could just make them even sicker. As I'd mentioned, does the child have a history of asthma? Was the child or the infant born premature? Because, as you know, when a baby is born premature, the lungs are the last organs to form. The lungs tend um, not to be um, as strong when they're born premature, and so respiratory problems uh, just tend to be a little bit more severe. Have they had any issues with um, bronchopulmonary dysplasia? Do they have a history of cystic fibrosis? Do they have a history of immunocompromisation? Do they have some uh, uh, pathology which has caused their immune systems um, to be very, very low, not as protective, and therefore the flu, would, although symptoms would be a lot more severe. So I would want to ask about their background. I would want to know if they were otherwise healthy. I would want to know if they were up to date on immunizations. And I would certainly want to know if they had gotten that flu shot. That is absolutely, um, that is a very, very important question to ask um, when anybody comes in with flu symptoms is have they actually, have they had the flu vaccine? Um, the flu vaccine um, only covers uh, two strains. It only is going to cover flu A, and it will cover um, also flu B. A, of course, including H1N1 and H3N2, and then, of course, um, flu B. But the flu vaccine is only so much effective. In fact, um, in the year uh, uh, 2017 to 2018 was one of the worst years of the flu, there were 187 uh, pediatric deaths that year, um, and that and the shot was about only about 40 percent effective um, on these kids. So this is what you know. This is what they have to look at every single year: is the child at high risk? Have the parents or the caregivers also gotten their immunizations? Is there any high risk within the household? Are any of the children within the household sick um, as well? Um, is this child older than six months old? Because the younger, if they're younger than six months old, that does pose a much, much higher risk um, in, these, in these children. And complications, we worry about pneumonia, dehydration, and, and as I'd mentioned, any worsening of any chronic respiratory and any cardiac um, issues. So I would certainly want to screen them for their history, immunizations, um, and any symptoms um, that they may have had. I would imagine that there's some circumstances where uh, a parent or a guardian, they may suspect it's the flu and try to, to remedy at home, you know, for the you know, early stages and 
then things don't tend to get better. So that's when they end up in the ED. So these kids sometimes maybe a little bit further along in terms of how long they've had it. How much of a difference does that make in terms of what an ED nurse should be looking for when they come in? It, the timing would seem to play a, a big part in this as well if they've been symptomatic for a lot longer than you know the same day that they come into the ED, right? Yes, yes. It, uh, it, I mean, the, the, the child has had the symptoms for, you know, for several days. Um, the child has not been feeling well. Um, they've been at home. They've not gotten, they've not been taken to the doctor. They've not gotten any medical attention. Um, it actually can, by the time they get to the ED or the clinic, it actually can be worse, um, especially if they are not vaccinated. That's one of the, the number one causes of these flu-related deaths in children is that the fact that they are not have about 80% of them, um, 80 to 85%, there was a study done um, from the CDC um, that actually came to the conclusion that um, the deaths, um, 80 to 85% of the deaths, um, flu-related deaths, were related to the fact that these kids did not get vaccinated. Um, as I said, the um, you have to look for those signs and symptoms. When the child walks into the ED, uh, the triage nurse uh, takes a quick look at that child. They're gonna they're going to be looking at things like, are they you know what does their appearance look like using the pediatric assessment triangle? What does their appearance look like? Are they recognizing the caregivers? Are they in contact with their environment? Their work of breathing? Do they look like they're breathing uh, faster than they normally do? Do they look like they're working hard to breathe? Um, the circulation to their skin. Do they are they normal pink color? Are they pale? Uh, do they have a mottled look to them? These are you know these are going to be the signs that uh, the triage nurse um, would want to be looking for um, in any child coming in with flu symptoms. But the younger they are, uh, you know, the worse the symptoms can actually be. And in a in an in, in an infant in a very very young infant in the neonatal age. Uh, those little ones may not show the signs and symptoms um, as dramatically as, say, an older child. Uh, so with those, with that age group, you know, they, their uh, red flag definitely has to be raised because they are at a much higher risk and the signs and symptoms could be much more vague. However, the outcomes could be much worse um, for those very, very small infants. Sure. So let me go back to, you, you were talking a little bit about the overall uh, forecast and what the last few years have been like for the flu in general. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that you, you hear, you know, when we get to this time of year, uh, the traditional media is very much aware of the flu season and, you know, there's the precautionary tales, go get your vaccinations. But then as the cases start to roll in, you get the stories, as, as you pointed out, uh, from the years that it, the, the numbers are really high. And then even before we get to our flu season, we'll hear about uh, how heavy the, the flu season was in Australia or places that are on sort of the opposite calendar of ours when it comes to the different seasons. Um, what are just some common sense things that you know you think are overlooked in that sort of reporting so that if you're a nurse and you've got friends who have their opinions when it comes to the flu or they're maybe reacting to what it sounds like it's a really bad season or it's a light season or it's an early season or a late season, what are just some fundamental things that you think are missed when it comes to traditional reporting on the flu that is, is part of the, the information that a nurse can give a patient who may come in and only really know what they've heard from traditional media outlets? Well, I mean, that, that's, that can be tricky. Um, even according to the CDC, not every single, for example, death or hospitalization uh, can be recorded because um, a child or any patient can come to the, to the hospital 
They might have upper respiratory symptoms, but it may not be the flu. Sure. Um, and it may not be picked up as the flu. And there are several, um, and there are several hospitals, several emergency departments who may not actually run uh, the flu screen. Uh, they may uh, go uh, diagnose that as a clinical diagnosis and not actually run the flu screen. I think more and more places are actually running the flu screens now, but those, those are the ones that tend to be missed. My, you know, the take-home point that I tell family members, the take-home point that I'm going to tell uh, my other staff members and my other colleagues are is don't, you know, don't just kind of look at, you know, don't just kind of look past it. Take the precautions. Make sure, you know, make sure that um, these patients have gotten the flu vaccine. Um, make sure that the healthcare workers have gotten the flu vaccine. Almost all um, hospitals, emergency departments, or any area uh, where there's patient contact, a lot of the institutions require uh, the staff to get the flu shot. They require the staff to get the flu shot just so, um, you, know, it's, you know, it's not 100% um, flu proof. As I said, it's usually about 40% effective. Actually, in 2018 to 19, it was up to about 47% effective. Um, but just know that even that flu shot, that's that is a step. That is a step in the right direction. Are you going to be able to prevent the flu 100%? No, not at all. But you can take that step by getting the vaccine, by recognizing the signs and symptoms um, of the flu very, very early, um, by... Um, treating the flu very, very early. Um, many uh, patients are put on antivirals. Um, in, fact, in fact, Tamiflu uh, was, has been very, very popular in the past couple of flu seasons. Um, there was, in fact, a couple of years ago, there was a, they ended up with a shortage of Tamiflu. Uh, but the trick with Tamiflu are, or, um, or Zofluza, um, which is the new one, is they've got to be started early. When they see the symptoms of the flu, they've got to start those early for them to be effective because if they wait too long, they're not going to be effective. And the Tamiflu can be given as young as two weeks old. Wow. Okay. So even babies two weeks old can get Tamiflu. They cannot get the shot yet until they're six months, but they can get the Tamiflu. And the Zofluza, which is the new one, um, can only be given to those who are 12 and older. Okay. So, and you brought up a good point about uh, from the nurses and the healthcare workers' perspective, you know, most are required to have the shot, but as you said, you know, it's not going to 100% protect you from it. So, as much as anything else, if you start to feel as though you're getting it or you're starting to be symptomatic of it, it's hard to get, you know, healthcare workers to, to not go to work because of that motivation for, to make sure that they're, they're doing their job and they're going in. But if you're noticing those things, I, it sounds like your recommendation is make sure you don't, you know, make the problem worse for others around you by, you know, going in when maybe you need to take care of yourself first and, and maybe shorten your cycle through, through the flu, right? Um, exactly. Um, what I, you know, what, what, what I recommend, what I do if I'm, when I'm feeling ill or, or what I would definitely recommend any of my coworkers or colleagues do is if you can get the flu screen done, get it done. Because that will at least tell you um, if you've got the flu, if it's sure. flu A or if it's flu B. But again, even the flu screens, if they're done too early, may not pick up on those. And that, that's just, that's kind of the caveat right there. Yeah. Um, so, but if the, if, if you could, if 
you can get access to the flu screen. And if you can rule in or out, if it's flu A, if it's flu B, and get started on those antivirals as early as you can, if it's the flu, it's not going to work on other viruses. Uh, then um, the outcomes are going to be better. Uh, the um, the you know the length um, of the uh, of, its, of the course is going to be a lot shorter, and um, as I said, the, and people will be able to go back to work earlier, and um, they will not be out for so long. Okay, and I imagine just moving forward through the rest of this year, uh, this flu season specifically, uh, the CDC you know puts out a lot of information. Uh, they're, they're probably the go-to source, but are there any other places that you'd recommend people keep tabs on? news about this particular flu season absolutely the flu is on the new the flu is on the news pretty much every single day um in the uh you know in the, in the regular national news um where i am in texas it certainly is because texas happens to be one of the highest um the states with the highest number of flu cases so just turning on the national news um, will certainly give information about that. The American Academy, the American Academy of Pediatrics um, is an excellent resource for that. It's aap.org, uh, American Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control um, is certainly um, a, a, a great resource um, for looking at, uh, for looking at uh, changes in the flu and information about the flu and DNA. Uh, ENA.org, of course, um, certainly will give um, updates um, about that. Well, we always appreciate, you know, being able to share our information, you know, and so I'm glad you you beat me to it and talking a little bit about, you know, looking up flu information that we've got in terms of resources uh, on the ENA website. Uh, Justin, any, any last thoughts here about uh, this flu season versus others or the importance of making sure that you're, you're looking out, uh, you know, as an ED nurse, you're looking more closely at those pediatric patients to make sure that uh, the flu is being recognized early enough and understanding all the circumstances they're bringing in with it if they are symptomatic of the flu. Take home point is, the flu shot covers about two strains of flu. There are many other strains out there. And as I said, the flu shot is about 40, up to 47% effective. We don't really have the stats yet uh, for 2019 um, to 2020. Uh, but different strains can come, and the different strains um, may be, they may be more aggressive, they may be less aggressive. In fact, um, in the news, the flu has actually swept the U.S. early, and there has been reported about um, 1,300 have already died of a weird strain of the flu. Um, that virus is actually known as the influenza B victoria. And that is the uh, what they're actually linking um, some of these uh, flu cases to, especially in children, um, which is un which is unusually active for this time of year. So they may be at greater risk uh, for actually contracting that uh, um, influenza B Victoria. As I said, now is usually not uh, the period um, when that uh, you know when that uh, virus strain is prevalent. Sure. So that's something new um, for the year. Uh, never take the year for granted. If it's going to be a good flu season or if it's going to be a bad flu season, take the precautions. Get vaccinated. Uh, take the precautions at work. If you feel sick, put a mask on. If you really feel sick, get tested for the flu. Go home. Do not put others at risk. Do not put other patients at risk. Um, catch it early. Uh, start the Tamiflu or the Zofluza early. And... Um, the outcomes will be better. 
So stay vigilant and stay informed. I think that's one way to sort of uh, uh, summarize it all, right? Absolutely. <laughs> stay up to date and stay informed and get the flu shot. So Justin, I appreciate you taking some time for, uh, for to join us here on the ENA podcast today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So that'll do it for the final episode of 2019. Uh, I want to thank all our listeners once more, and we look forward to bringing you uh, many more episodes coming up in the new year in 2020. So for now, this is Dan Campana, the Senior Manager for PR and Communications with ENA, wishing you a happy new year, and we'll see you in January with all new episodes of the podcast. <laughs>